Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Welcome back. Today is such an awesome special day. We are celebrating the 100th episode. Who would have thought? And wow, the Lord has just blessed this venture uh, just abundantly. From standing in a hallway talking about kids here at the college and somebody saying, you know, you guys should have a podcast, to 100 episodes. It, it is crazy. The we're, Lord has blessed it. Yes, yes. And I still remember in the coffee shop where we were advised, you know, if you get around 50 or 60, that's really good. It's like the life if you of a can, podcast. If you can't yep. make so. Anyways. And uh, we still have over 8,000 listeners in 50 countries. I thought so. you said we, we're, we're still going to have 8,000 episodes <laughs> after this, and I'm doing the math going, well, okay, that'd be... that'd be Who knows? Okay. <laughs> All right. To, to, to stay on task here, we have a, a really special uh, guest today uh, in celebration of the 100th episode. Uh, her specialty expertise is in literacy. Uh, Dr. Kirsten Schultz joins us. She's an associate professor here at Wisconsin Lutheran College. Uh, a good colleague of both Dr. Rhoda and, and myself. And just a little bit, her background's in curriculum instruction, her PhD's from Marion University. And when I was, Kirsten, when I was looking at all the courses that you've taught, the one common theme that just keeps coming up is literacy, literacy, literacy. It's content <laughs> area literacy. It's emerging literacy. It's emergency literacy too. And then you have this twist where you have student motivation. So, so, so parents and, and teachers and anyone who's listening, if you're curious about this topic of literacy and how to draw students in, you're listening to the right episode. Oh, thanks, Marty. We are thrilled that you're here, Dr. Schultz. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, so, Dr. Rhoda. Yeah, so uh, let's just start off with how can parents help their children with literacy? What would be your insights and wisdom on that? Yeah, families can support literacy through a variety of means, including just having conversations. It's just as plain, as simple as that, just give and take interactions. Regular reading times, like bedtime stories, just having the availability of books and literature in their home is really important. And then daily opportunities to use and gain understanding about language, whether that's looking at um, signs, road signs, uh, cereal boxes, stop signs, and even having those closed captions on TV shows. I'd like to share a story. So I was teaching out in California for five years, and one of the parents, she was bilingual, she told me that she didn't know how to get the closed captioned off of her TV when she purchased it new. Uh -huh. And she was saying that it really benefited her kindergarten student or child because uh, he was really reading those captions as well. And so she kept it on for the whole year. And she said by the end of the year, he was reading along with the captions. And so that was really neat you know, to see that. So it just kind of has evidence here that that really does work. And then again, just regular trips to libraries and bookstores, um, reading with siblings or other uh, family members is important as well. That's awesome. I have such fond memories of the cereal boxes. That was our old yes. social media, <laughs> yes. right? Well, we yes. ate breakfast. Look at the, yeah, uh, right. Good times. <laughs> Um, so, so speaking about literacy, and those are, are some great actionable items. We're going to have a hard time narrowing it down to five uh, right. at the end of this episode. Oftentimes, what what I struggle with is the role of the parent and the role of the teacher, and how can you have how can you 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 have a really good relationship when it comes to this 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 literacy. Yeah, I think that it usually starts with just that welcoming atmosphere. You know, right away I like to have an open house when I, you know, would start teaching 
and just invite those parents, invite the students into my classroom to meet me. Um, and then just really give them a lot of positive feedback, you know, talk about what they're doing at home and then give them that um, positive feedback, which increases confidence. Also giving them some resources um, to have in their home. So when I was teaching, I usually did small guided reading groups every day. And then I would give the child those books to take home. And if they're really struggling with those books, I would usually say, you know, have your parent read this to you first mm -hmm. and then read it together as a, a choral reading experience. And then you could read it on your own. And um, I had a journal that I would send back in this little backpack with uh, the students. And then they would talk about the, the parent would write how they did with that um, interaction. And as the year progressed, uh, they, the student would come back and just really tell me how this really is working, how their parent didn't even have to read it to them the first time. You know, they were able to read it to their parent. So it really increased, you know, their confidence as well. Um, and parents give a lot of resources to us as well, you know, to the teachers. So they can tell us what hobbies um, their child does, what sports or activities their child is involved in. Um, it really helps us as teachers create our lesson plans and um, kind of curtail them to the, to the student. Fantastic. You know, sometimes it's hard for us to know when we hear our child reading or when we hear a student reading, are they at the appropriate level? Are they proficient? How are they doing? Are they on target? Are they behind? Are they ahead? What are the characteristics of a proficient reader? How do we know if our children are where they should be? Yeah, so right away in the very beginning of kindergarten, basically we're just focusing on decoding words. Um, and some words are easier to decode than others, of course. Um, but there, there gets to be a time where they're actually reading fluently, which means that they're reading smoothly without pausing, reading with expression. Um, they're also activating their prior knowledge. So what words do I know? And they're using that um, as they're reading as well. They're creating some visual and sensory images from the text during and after reading. And they're able to draw, draw some inferences. You know, the author is giving them some clues as they're reading, and they're able to determine those um, and judge them or make interpretations. And they're also asking questions of themselves mm -hmm. and of the authors as they read the text. Um, they're selecting some important ideas or themes, you know, from the reading, and then they're synthesizing what they read. Okay, so you're having conversations with your kids to kind of find this out, like yes. predicting or what did that mean to you? Yeah, or, pausing yeah. right in the yeah. you know beginning of the text. What do you think this book is going to be about? Yeah. Um, what predictions do you have? What do you think the character is going to do next? Yeah. And it's not really about having their predictions come true. Uh -huh. It's more about, oh, okay, so you thought this. That's a good idea. But yeah. the author really chose to go this way. You know, and just talking about that and having them think about the reading. So they're able to really think and make that interpretation from Fantastic. the book. Okay, so we have the characteristics. And then we have the multiple touch points between parent and teacher. Then playing this out then are there like specific strategies like if I'm a parent or a teacher like yes. what specifically can I do to help the the student child yeah there's so many different strategies I mean it's important to say that toolbox and really teach the students you know what strategies there are um, so in the very beginning you just basically want to give them that phonemic strategy so you're going to be teaching them the alphabet and the fact that the alphabet has sounds that go along with the letters and some of the words that we have um, are easy to map the letters and sounds, like the word man, for example. So that sounds like how um, those letters are supposed to sound. So that's great. Um, then there's a visual strategy, and this would be used for those words that usually don't sound like they should, like the word the, um, right? And so if you tried to sound out the word the, it would not sound like how it's supposed to be pronounced. 
Um, and so we can do word configuration with that, which basically means boxing around those letters. And having students think about that, how do those letters look? And as soon as I see that, then I know that that word is the without having to sound it out. Mm -hmm. um, there was kind of a neat intervention strategy that I was reading about, and basically they have the students act out motions. So when they see a letter that just sits on the line, then the student would just stand. But if a letter dips below the line, then they would crouch down. Or if the letter goes above the line, then they would stand up on their tippy toes. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a neat way too, just to have some bodily kinesthetic movement that goes along with that. Um, there's also the morphemic strategy. So you can read or write some words by thinking about what they mean. And this would be really good for words with prefixes, root word suffixes, or compound words. So just thinking about that. Um, like boat, house, you know, thinking about both those words, putting them together. Linking strategies, so you can use what you know about a word to figure out a new word. So like if you know what the word um, connect means, then you could read the word connection. Research strategies, so you can use reference materials. This would be, I would advocate this for words that are sometimes not in the English language. Mm -hmm. So the word like deja vu, mm -hmm. um, they won't be able to break this apart and it doesn't sound like how it looks. So that's something that they could use. Order. A, right, right, right. They could use a dictionary. Those yes, those French words, yes. Um, or a computer program, you know, that would be helpful as well. Um, so yeah, those are some of the strategies that they can use. And you can also, like you were saying, Dr. Marty, um, tell parents about these strategies too, or what we're using in the classroom. Um, sometimes, I know when I was growing up, you know, my parents would say things like, look it up in the dictionary. <laughs> and that's usually not the first strategy that we try. Uh -huh. I, I really like these strategies. I'm Absolutely. just thinking out loud here that these would take um, time yes. and you'd need to do them intentionally. Uh, to really get the results that you're 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 looking for, so don't try all of them at once. Just right. slowly mm -hmm. work your way through it. Okay. Right. Gold mine of stuff there. I mean, there's just yes. a lot of fantastic strategies. You know, we have several things in common um, that kind of bond us. We love dogs. <laughs> yes. We share a birthday. Yes. But another thing that I think you and I really have in common is our love for motivation and what motivates kids and yes. students in particular, and really trying to understand that. Mm -hmm. So, curious. One of the reasons students choose books. Like, why are they motivated to, to pick up a book and try to read it? What are, what are reasons for that? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it could be just as simple as looking at the front cover. You know, <laughs> is that front cover appealing or not? Um, sometimes it's about characters that we've read about in other books. Um, so, you know, so Beverly Cleary, you know, has some characters that are pretty popular. Um, maybe they've read another book in a series or it has an interesting title. Maybe they have great illustrations. You know, they like the pictures in the books. Mm -hmm. um, authors that we know and like. I know I love Patricia Polacco, so I tend to have the whole series, you know, in my classroom library. Or book recommendations from teachers and friends. There's some really great resources of on Pinterest of having bulletin boards with the students' names, like in those library pockets, oh, and then their friends can recommend. You know, after they read a book, oh, they a can cool recommend idea. it. That's to, very cool. Yeah, to their yeah, friends. So that's kind of a neat thing. Um, Sometimes, you know, I have to say not all teachers would probably agree with me, but I have to say for your struggling readers, sometimes they want to read a book that they've seen the movie. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, usually teachers would say the opposite. They would say, you know, read the book first and then see the movie. But I have to say sometimes with struggling readers, 
they're not motivated to read books. And so sometimes if they see a movie and they really like the characters, they're much more motivated to read the book. And then they already have a schema, mm -hmm. you know, in their head, a framework of who the characters were, what they looked like, and what happened. So they're able to make sense of it. So just true confessions, I did not grow up a reader. <laughs> I love reading now. I think I probably have about 15 books on my nightstand that I'm, <laughs> and six that I'm so, reading. So what was, what, was, what was the change? Well, it was until I got into college and I took a kitty lit class. Oh. And I loved that literature. And I'm like, I missed out on so much as a kid. But to your strategy here, I saw the movie Grease with my big sister. Yes. And that we were getting ready to go on vacation. We were driving from Arizona to Minnesota in our camper to see my dad's family. And I bought the book and I read that book on the trip. <laughs> and it was like such a great experience. And it was the movie that I wanted to like learn more about these characters. And, yes. and so then I... And now I'm still that way. Oftentimes when I see a movie I like, afterwards I'll buy the book. Yeah. See, that's so. an interesting flip because I wouldn't have thought to, to, to switch them in that manner. But yeah. you're, you're both saying, yeah, it really works for the It was for relevant the for me. Mm -hmm. I think you just got to know your person, know your reader and what... Yeah. Right, right. So, so, so then, then help me out here because sometimes um, my kids, mm -hmm. they'll start reading and then mm -hmm. they just stop. And it's like, well, like I'm always like, Complete the task. Complete the task. Complete yes. the task. And so I'm searching for reasons. Why do? Why do? Uh, why, why does my kid just sometimes stop reading what I would think would be a really interesting book? Yeah, and that's popular for students to do that. That's common. Um, one of the reasons is that it's too difficult, and that's okay if they abandon the book for that reason. And so I usually use the rule of thumb, and I tell my students to put a thumb up every time they encounter a word that they don't know. They don't know how to pronounce it. They don't know what it means. And if they get to the end of the page and there's five words on that page they don't know, maybe that's too difficult for them. Mm -hmm. And so they can either read it with an adult, you know, mm -hmm. a parent or a teacher or maybe even a sibling, older sibling. Um, but they're probably not going to get the meaning mm -hmm. from the book if it's mm -hmm. too difficult. Uh, if we're talking about middle school students, well, then I'll tell them five, 10, you know, because mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. more text per yeah. page. Um, but that's a good reason for them to abandon a book if it's too difficult. It's just going to create a lot of frustration. Mm -hmm. Or conversely, it could be too easy. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're just reading this book. Maybe they've already read it in a, in a younger grade. And so then again, you know, this might be something that's not going to be a challenge for you. You're not learning any new skills. It might just be too easy for you. Um, it could be not interesting to the student or too long before the action begins. So they're mm -hmm. saying, you know, this book is boring. Mm -hmm. um, and as a teacher, I would say, well, if you're not interested in this book, if you think it's boring, that's okay. Then you can read a different one. Yeah. You know, we want them to be motivated in a yeah. book. And if they're not motivated, they probably won't finish it. I think that's such a, a big thing for me is, um, do I, am I really interested in this character? Like mm -hmm. character development, you know? if One of the big tests, tests for me, if I really appreciate a book is when I'm done reading it, like a week or two later, I miss them. I wonder how the characters are doing, yes. what's going on. And if I've read, you know, a quarter of the book and I still just really don't care about these characters too much, I'm done. Yeah. Because there's something else out there that I really want. You know, there's a right. good character out there I want to find. Right, yeah, so your I time is valuable, Yeah, right? I think that's okay for kids too, right? To right. just say, you know what, I'm just, this one isn't resonating with me. I'll find something else. Right, right. Yeah, yeah sometimes they don't like the point of view, you mm -hmm. know, so maybe it's not um, coinciding with their moral beliefs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's a, a great um, suggestion as a teacher, just to find something else that they would really enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, how about struggling readers? Yes, and so sometimes struggling readers are, um, are not going to find a book that maybe they 
enjoy reading without a suggestion. So I would say as a teacher, it's really important to think about the skills, you know, that they need help with. Reader's Theater is one of my favorites. So with Reader's Theater, it could be as extravagant as like a play, giving students um, costumes and props and things like that. But the neat thing about it as a teacher is that you can really um, tailor the script and so you can really have more script for your expert readers or less script for your struggling readers. And I think the neat part about it too is if they're struggling with, let's say, some sight words, you can tell them what sight words are going to be in the script and they can practice those at home with their parents. Mm -hmm. Also, other things would be echo reading. So echo reading would be as simple as saying a word, having the child repeat the word, or reading a sentence and having the child repeat the sentence, or read-alongs. Um, that could be the teacher and the whole class reading a passage, so you'd be tracking with your finger. Um, the neat thing about that is students, if they don't know a word to how to pronounce it, they can pause and listen to the teacher in the class say that word before they attempt it. And of course, guided reading. So the teachers can use the zone of proximal development and students can read at a higher level than what they can do independently. So yeah, I would also suggest guided reading. So, so when it comes to, oftentimes we're asked, how much should my child read? Do you have any ideas on that or research or, or, or anything that just kind of give us an idea on how important reading is? Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, if the child's in kindergarten, I would say 15 minutes a night would be great to be reading with the parent. Um, and then, of course, that increases as they... Uh, go down to the next grade level. But one research study that I like to find to share with my college students is that in fifth grade, students that read 140 minutes a day scored 98% on a reading assessment, and students that read one minute or less a day scored 2%. So I think that really correlates that the more you read, the more practice you get with reading, the better you're going to score on reading assessments. Mm -hmm. I think there's just some significant research on reading at grade level and future likelihood of incarceration if you're yes. not at grade level and yes. I think so after third grade yeah, yeah mm -hmm. so much of that comes down to you know learning to read and then reading to learn if they're not yes. really comfortable by time that's switching at third fourth grade-ish and now they're they're reading to understand content as opposed to learning how to read right. and if they're behind sometimes it's just easier to take on the identity but I'm not a good student I'm not good at school and then you right. start looking for other things right so right. yeah so thank you so much for the work you're doing and training our students to become excellent educators who can teach children how to read. What You've been doing this a long time. What do you say to the parent who says, you know what, I never read. I'm not a good reader. I don't, I don't really feel confident reading to my kid or helping my kid be good at something that I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I have had um, parents that have said that to me or even have said I can't read English, so I mm -hmm. can't help my child. Yeah. Um, and, and with other subjects as well, right? Like I don't like math, right. so I don't think my child's gonna be um, good in math. And I usually say to keep those negative thoughts to yourself, that's okay that you struggled, mm -hmm. so that's good for empathy. Like mm -hmm. now you know that your child is struggling with this as well. And it's important to show that empathy and, and that understanding of you're going through a hard time, but we can get better. It's that positive mm -hmm. mindset of I know you can do it, I know you can learn. And then just asking the teacher for some strategies. You know, I think mm -hmm. that's the best approach. I have a, a friend who learned to read with his daughter. Ooh, yes. He never really read much through school. He managed to make get a high school diploma and he was reading at like a second grade level. Yes. And he wanted to be able to read his daughter, so he just started reading with her and is now very proficient at reading and comprehension. So Yeah, yeah. I've had that same experience as well. And there was a, um, a story that was in the newspaper, and this was a while ago in Long Beach, California, but they were having a problem of 
um, students were being dropped off at the school too early and there wasn't uh, the supervision that they needed on the playground. So they looked at that problem, like, how can I solve this? And they opened up the, the school mm-hmm. and they opened up the cafeteria and they brought in books and uh, they just invited children to come in and read. Awesome. And so parents were coming, grandparents were coming, <laughs> and they were learning how to read in English from their children. So that was a really neat way to turn a problem into a positive. What a beautiful community thing, too. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're in the middle of summer now. What would be your advice to parents when it comes to reading? Yeah, I would say to parents, you know, try to take your child to the library, uh, find a spot that they like to read. Maybe they like to read outside in a hammock, or maybe they want to, you know, find a neat spot to read. But I would just encourage a lot of reading, you know, keep Mm -hmm. up that love of reading. And and then do you have the the child set the goals or the parent or or do they work together on that or all the above? Yeah, I would say it's important to really talk to the child about, you know, what do you think is a good goal? Um, Usually studies have shown that if they set the goal, that they're more likely to complete that goal. So I think that's important, you know, really having that child um, involved in that process. And... um, and working with their child with that. Very good. And with this pandemic that we're in right now, right? <laughs> yes. How, do you, any thoughts on how that's going to impact uh, as we go into this upcoming school year? Any, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, definitely more, uh, it seems like more virtual learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it looks like the DPI hasn't really, you know, they've kind of set up some guidelines. It looks like, um, you know, they might have A and B week or A and B days. Looks like maybe Fridays might be those virtual learning days so they can intensely clean the, the classrooms. Um, but yeah, I would just suggest for, for the children to really listen to their teacher, ask questions when they don't understand things, mm-hmm. reach out to their peers, to their you know classmates, um, ask questions about books, you know, what are good suggestions, and just keep on reading, you know, in their free time. Dr. Rhoda and I both would like to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. And for those of you listening, you know, because we're surrounded by all these gifted individuals, certainly if you'd like to learn more about literacy, I know Dr. Dr. Schultz is open to doing workshops, virtual learning, things like that. So, so don't hesitate to, to, to reach out and contact us. Yes, thank you so much for your expertise, for sharing your insights with us, with our students. And we also just want to thank our listeners. Thanks for sticking with us on this journey. Uh, here's to 100 more. Woohoo! Thank you. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five key takeaways from today's episode on literacy. Uh, the first being read with your child. So, so very, very, very important. Uh, the second, uh, the value of the partnerships between parents and teachers. Parents, be proactive, reach out to teachers, and teachers be proactive and reach out to parents. So very, very important that partnership is when it comes to your child's reading. Uh, Number three, we thought we'd put one specific strategy for you to start uh, if you have a child who's kindergarten first or second, that's the phonemic strategy. Uh, Consider using that. Uh, Number four, Uh, Consider using the visual strategy if you're in that age, if your child's in that age group as well. So start small and and build up. And and then certainly other strategies such as the morphemic strategy would be for grades three, four, and five. Uh, Number five, so really, really important. Uh, And and Dr. Rhoda said this nicely uh, after the episode, give students the opportunity to fall in love with reading. 
Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.